folks, Merry Christmas, and welcome to a very special episode 63 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, folks, it's me, Mr. Sensational Santa Vega, coming to you with the very special holiday episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Yeah, what's up, folks? It's me, it's me, it's Gino V. And we are mere days away from December 25th, Christmas time, here as I sit down to speak to you on an episode that, as per usual of late, um, I don't want to say it almost didn't happen, but um, I'm totally off kilter, totally off schedule, still haven't recovered from moving, still haven't recovered from personal family drama, 100%. I'd say I'm at about 65% at this point. Um, but I'm totally off schedule too because we are in the middle of a glorious three-week holiday break from school, uh, which means that Miss Sensational 1 and Miss Sensational 2 are both home from school for the next three weeks, um, which further means that I don't have to, uh, start my morning off first thing, waking up and having to frantically Get them each to their respective uh, places of learning. But as nice as it is to have a few weeks of a uh, more leisurely approach to the beginning of the day, um, missing that linchpin of the daily schedule causes me to sort of forget. You lose all sense of time and space. I have no idea what day it is. I have no idea what time it is. Um, So... On a day like today, a Tuesday, as it were, I was not thinking of today as a Tuesday. I was thinking of today where um, today being the day that at a certain point in the late morning, I had to take Miss One down to the local Safeway pharmacy to get her COVID booster shot. And then after that, I had to swing by a new gym that I just joined down the street from our new house uh, for an orientation appointment that I had. That, that's how I was thinking of today. It was the Miss Sensational One COVID booster shot and gym orientation day. But as I was in the throes of making my way to those various appointments, oh, and by the way, a little bit complicated by the fact that I'm currently without an automobile. I think on last week's episode, I spoke of my 2005 Matrix Well, um, Ms. Sensational, my wife, had been meaning to purchase a used electric automobile to uh, use for her half-hour commute each way to her job. Uh, Half-hour there, half-hour back every day. Um, Because it was making very little sense to use our gasoline-powered Honda for that drive. Because it was just, uh, you know, 50 bucks to fill up a tank. Um... Why not go electric and, you know, throw down some coin to buy a new used car, but in the long run, save quite a bit of money on money that's just going out the window on gasoline. Um, So she'd been meaning to do it and then suddenly kind of spontaneously just did it and it it just happened. So uh, um, the uh, used uh, electric vehicle is on its way to our home. But that meant we were one car too many, and it was time to get rid of the Matrix. And so we, in fact, donated the Matrix. We donated the, donated the Matrix to some sort of veterans association that takes uh, used cars, and then you're able to write it off for a tax uh, deduction. We 
probably could have sold it. It was imperfect. It's still like in the prime of its life mechanically, according to the shop that we take it to. Um, but you know, the, the, the couple of G's that it would probably elicit did not really seem worth the, um, haggling over attempting to sell a used automobile, which is something that is not really in the wheelhouse of either Miss Ms. S. or myself, um, not something either of us were really looking forward to doing, and it just felt better to donate it to a charitable cause and get it off of our hands. But it's gone. It was gone. Like the second you call them to tell you to say you want to donate a car, they're there to pick it up like the next day. So that car's gone. But the new car, the new used car, is not quite here. So we're down to one car right now. So I was hoofing it around town to all these errands. Anyway, in the midst of hoofing it around town. Um, it suddenly occurred to me that today was, in fact, a Tuesday, the day that I typically record these episodes of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, and um, so my recording is already complicated this week and the next coming weeks by the fact that everyone's home, well, the kids are home. Uh, normally, I record while they're at school, um, you know, so that's further complicating finding my time to get behind the microphone, although they're being good sports. They're sitting just a few yards away from me right now in the, in the living room as I sit here in our dining area recording this. Um but in any case, I didn't know it was Tuesday, and now already it's 2.35 p.m. as I'm sitting down to record, and I could have easily forgotten entirely until tomorrow, and then who knows what would have happened. Just absolute, utter chaos and mayhem. Um, but I'm here, and I'm coming to you with this very special episode 63 holiday edition of the podcast. So today, because it is the holiday season and this is the holiday episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, I'm going to do a breakdown of my holiday so far um, and tell a few incidental stories along the way. Uh, My holiday season is kind of already wrapped up at this point on this uh, December 21st as I record this episode. Um... So I am generally, as I've spoken about, I'm sure in the past on the show, a uh, Christmas observer, a Christmas celebrator. Um, Of course, in um, purely uh, secular fashion, not that there's anything wrong with uh, uh, a more uh, religious approach to the holiday. Although as far as I understand, I don't know that in the the history of the Christian tradition, Christmas has really been like a, a, a... tentpole flagship holiday of the religion. I think that's more of a, of a um, relatively recent artifact or affectation. But in any case, I, I enjoy Christmas because uh, I enjoy having something festive to do in the deep, cold heart of winter. And I don't really care what the specifics of that festival are. For me, it just that's the one that I, w- I was exposed to, raised in culturally. Um... If you look around, everyone's got something at this time of year, it seems like. So, on one hand, um, arguments that like, oh, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it's religious and religion is bad, that falls on completely deaf ears to me. At the same time, the whole moronic, um, there's a war on Christmas and you say happy holidays, you get shot. That's also equally um, moronic, but uh, we live in a moronic time and place. So, what are you going to do? Except have fun doing whatever it is you do during this holiday season, and that's what this holiday episode is all about. So for me, my holidays have been kind of uncalibrated, knocked off track for the last few years for a couple of reasons. Um, For the 10 years that we lived in Sensational Manor 1.5, a home that we owned in Santa Rosa, California, 
We, at a certain point living in that house, developed a tradition of having a yearly Christmas party on the 25th, on Christmas itself, starting in the evening. And the genesis of this party was the fact that, you know, Ms. S and I grew up more or less in Santa Rosa, California, went to high school there. Um, Still are and were in touch with a lot of the people that we knew from high school, kind of our core group of friends. And although most people, a lot of people, not all, um, probably 60, 40 had moved out of the area. Actually, no, I would say flip that around. 60 were still in the area. Excuse me, 40 were uh, out of the area. Um, Almost everyone's parents were still in Santa Rosa um, during these years from about, uh, I guess it would be between like around 2010 and um, 2019, other um, peak years of this party tradition, people's parents were still around. And so everyone would end up in Santa Rosa to see their relatives, to see their parents. But, you know, you're usually done with that family stuff by 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. So, and we would have our own family stuff that would be done around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. So then the point is we would begin hosting this party that started that kicked off like around 6 or 7 And people would kind of trickle in after their family stuff was done. And it was kind of like a reunion of friends and like some new friends would show up. And um, it was uh, fun, merry festivities. Um, And we did it not every year, took a few years off, but more or less we did it um, kind of yearly and stopped for a couple years and started again towards the end. But then we moved. We left Santa Rosa. So that just came to an abrupt end. Don't know enough people in Napa, especially that first year we lived there, to... um, recreate any kind of thing at the the rental home that we had in Napa at the time. And then COVID hit. So um, our first Christmas in Napa was just kind of lackluster because we had just moved there, just getting our bearings. Second Christmas in Napa was the pre-vaccine COVID Christmas. So didn't really do much. Had a backyard get together with my mom and my brother and his wife and kids in Berkeley where they live. That was about it. Um, This year... You know, obviously, I guess COVID stall thing. I, I I went out when I was walking around doing my errands earlier today. I noticed, like, walking around outside, noticed every single person I was walking by now is back to wearing masks by themselves, walking around outdoors. And I mean, you do what you need to do to feel good about yourself, to feel safe out in the world. And I don't want to be a mutant. I don't want to be that guy. But that just seems weird to me. Like, I have no problem wearing a mask indoors. I don't even notice anymore when I wear it. And again, I was thinking about it. Um, something we're going to talk about in a second. It's been like a two-year anniversary of. Was the last time I had any kind of illness. Any kind of cold, flu, nothing. It's been over two years now since I've been sick. And there's probably a number of reasons for that. But I can't imagine that... Wearing a mask for the most part, not always because, you know, you go out to a restaurant, you go out to a bar, obviously you're not wearing a mask when you're, when you're there and you do the kabuki theater of wearing it, at least we do in California, the, the absurdity of wearing it like when you walk to your table, then you go sit down at your table and take off the mask and you don't wear it again for like the two hours that you're sitting in there, so it doesn't seem to make much sense. But for the most part, just in the endless day-to-day transactions, going to a grocery store, going into this store, in, 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 on the bus, I'm not that I take the bus, but you know what I mean, just in, any of these indoor places where there's no, there's absolutely... No quality of life or experience is lost by wearing a mask. Um, I I have to imagine that has contributed to um, my not being sick for as long as I can remember. No one in my family has been sick for as long as I can remember. Uh, That said, I, I think it's safe to say that you can walk by yourself outdoors 
and masks are not needed. But who knows? It's the, the, I guess the, the inner, the mutant inside of me sort of is like, why are we needing to take it that far? Why do we need to be here in California like the, um, the equally cartoonish version of like a Florida or, or a Texas where they don't wear masks at all? Why do we have to take it to that other absurd extreme? Why can't we just do it, you know, in a way that makes sense? But whatever. You do what you got to do. It's not like anyone's like chasing you down and forcing you to wear one um, outside. I just thought that was kind of funny. I was walking around outdoors without a mask. As va- vaccinated up to the gills, vaccinated up to my eyeballs. I've had all three shots. So I feel that at this point... You know, reasonable mask wearing indoors, I'm cool with, but I'm not going to wear one when I'm walking around outside. Sorry. That's uh, me and Mr. Trump are going to take our stand together. And if you have a problem with that, I got a machine gun with your name on it. Um, just kidding. I don't have one. I'll call E Nerd and have him bring his with your name on it. Just kidding. We don't, we don't uh, advocate any kind of violence here on the Mr. Sensational Genome Vega podcast. I don't want to, I now feel like I'm walking into some sort of like legal minefield. Of inciting violence. It's a joke, folks. It's a bit. Um, where were we? Ah, uh, yes. So I, I didn't really know what to expect or what to make of the holiday season this year. And again, just because if you've been listening to the show, <clears throat> there was all kinds of added chaos with the fact that we moved on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the fact that um, Ms. S's dad died on Thanksgiving, um, all kinds of wild stuff going on. You know, it took forever. Usually the tree goes up uh, that weekend after Thanksgiving. We, we didn't get it up till well into December this year. Um, I, I didn't know what was going on as far as family plans, et cetera, et cetera. But then all of a sudden, magically, this past week kind of turned into our holiday week and it all kind of fell into place. And it wasn't still not the same as when we had the real established life in Santa Rosa with all these people we could have over to the house, but it's better than the last two years. So uh, what did we do for the holiday week? And the reason I, I, I say that this last holiday week is our holiday week, I guess I'll preface it with the fact that... Um, I found out we weren't going to be doing anything on the 25th with my extended family this year because my brother is married to a Ukrainian woman, uh, my sister-in-law, and um, her parents and her brother and his wife and one of their children are all coming to the States for three weeks to visit. And her parents are staying with her and my brother. And they are arriving in the States on the 24th, Christmas Eve. Now, see, for them, in Ukraine, they follow the um, Orthodox Church calendar, the Eastern Orthodox Church calendar. Um, So, uh, versus, like, you know, uh, Christian holidays and such and dates, we follow what originated out of, I guess it would be, like, more like the, the Roman Catholic calendar. So for them, I can't remember the exact date, but their Christmas is, is what's considered Orthodox Christmas, and it's a different date than the 25th. It's like a week later or something like that. So for them, they're coming before Christmas, but they're coming right on the literal eve of our Christmas. So anyway, they're going to be embroiled in chaos. Um, her parents have been out to the States to visit a number of times over the years. Her brother has not been out here before. Or not, he may have come to visit the States once, gone somewhere like some sort of vacation spot like Hawaii or something like that, but he hasn't been out to visit um, my brother and his wife uh, here. This is the first time. Um, So anyway, they were going to be unavailable on the 25th. And I didn't know if we were going to be doing something with them, like maybe later, but then it turned out that they wanted to get together this last Sunday. So last Sunday really became my family Christmas for this year. So now rewind it back to the week leading up to that Sunday. And that's where coincidentally parts fell into place um, to have kind of a fun 
for what became my holiday week. Um, I mean, we're still probably going to be doing stuff um, up until the next couple of weeks, but um, this was the big Christmas uh, shebang for me. So it all started last Wednesday. Uh, The biggest um, social outlet that Ms. S. and I have found so far during our time living in Napa, she has more of a social life here than I do because she worked here um, for a couple of years before getting her new job out in Solano County in a, in a city called Vacaville, but she worked in Napa for the city of Napa, met a lot of people there, and she's still friends with a lot of them, and she still regularly will like grab a drink or catch up with them uh, from time to time outside of work now that she no longer works there. So she has her kind of friend group related to the work that she did here. Um, I hang out with her with a few of those people, but not with as many as she does. Um, but... The other social group that we have joined since we've been here, because it's kind of weird. It's kind of hard for me to really make friends here. I don't really intend to make many friends here because this place is just not my, um, I love living here. I love it, but I'm not going to meet a lot of um, folks in my sphere, in my demo here. There's not like a lot of weirdos like myself, you know, Um, people are tend to be like in the wine industry, which, um, I don't know. I don't want to make any generalizations, but those kind of people are not usually into the kind of stuff. Then I'm not going to like find some wine guy that wants to like talk fire pro UFC and play some Japanese, uh, video game role-playing games. You know, I just, the odds of that happening are, are slim to none. I don't think I'm going to ha- have any wine guys over to watch, uh, the new Japan pro wrestling January 4th show. You know, I, I just find like that demo is kind of lacking here in this town. Not that that demo is like proliferate. It has a huge proliferation anywhere. I, I knew a couple of people like that, even in Santa Rosa, but it just, it, it, it's different here than what I'm used to. So I'm not planning on meeting a lot of friends. Um, the one social group that we have found is, um, Many years ago, Ms. S, by way of her dad, became interested in um, the hobby of um, cigars, hand-rolled cigars, Um, the kind that come generally from places like Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Honduras, um, uh, traditionally Cuba, but we don't need to get into all that. Um, but you know, they, I'm not talking about like Dutch masters. I'm talking about like the cigars. You go to like a store, you buy these like relatively expensive cigars. It's this like nice, enjoyable experience. Um, uh, you sit back, you smoke this thing. It's got a very distinct taste. It takes a couple of hours to finish. Um, I can't even remember exactly how it happened, but her and her dad got into them. And then her and her dad actually took a trip to Nicaragua and Honduras and got to see all these different places where the tobacco comes from, et cetera, et cetera. But it's because I kind of fell into it by way of Ms. S. And then she worked at a cigar store while she was in uh, grad school. Um, but I've always kind of been like her tag along um, cigar friend. Like, I mean, I smoke cigars. I definitely enjoy smoking them, but I, I just have her like, you pick out, you know, whatever you pick out, I'll smoke. And it's all the same to me. I enjoy it all. I'm not like a, I don't have like a fine sense of what I'm into or what I like or whatever. I like whatever she likes. She tends towards kind of fuller body Nicaraguan cigars. Uh, we generally smoke cigars of this brand called Padron. Uh, anyway, for years we would smoke uh, by ourselves at home. We had a setup in our garage in Santa Rosa. And um, when we first moved to Napa, we had a backyard that we would smoke in. And I've never really been a fan of hanging out in the stores because in my experience, cigar stores tend to attract kind of like a lot of like belligerent blowhard type guys that sort of post up there and have a click and they kind of stare you down when you come in. You have to walk past them to get to the counter. It's kind of unfriendly seeming. Um, 
midlife older guys who just want to sit around. Like I remember, like I I was in the, the store in Santa Rosa once buying some cigars, and just these like belligerent old guys sitting around complaining about like gay people or something. I and mean, this was like in like the year like 2018. It's like that's still like anyone still cares about that. All right, whatever. But um, just, just the unfriendly, belligerent blowhardism. Uh, that, and that's not everything with cigars. That's not everyone in cigars. But that is one type of individual that's into cigars. It's kind of the, the people whose entree to cigars was sort of like the Rush Limbaugh template. You know, some angry guy complaining about everything and, and hating on everyone and everything under the sun while, while belligerently enjoying a fine hand-rolled cigar. Um, so we got this store here in Napa down call, downtown called Napa Cigar. And Napa Cigar... Sell cigars, you could smoke them there, and they also have a full bar. Um, we ended up going by there once, and I was very skeptical because, again, I, I, usually scared off by uh, uh, cigar store, cigar store clientele. But we started hanging out there a few times, and the interesting thing about it is because of Napa being a tourist town, I mean, there's definitely regulars there, and some are super friendly, some are less friendly. Um, but because it's a tourist town, there's a regular varied, wildly all-over-the-place cast of characters that are there as tourists in town that just see it and go in and decide to, to kick back and smoke a cigar for a while. You get, like, men, women, old people, young people, people from all over the country, people from other countries. It's really been pretty cool. Like, almost every time I go there, I end up chatting with some total rando and, and having a good time. And I'm not even, like, a, a chatting with randos is not would not be my, you know, Dances with Wolves type name. But for some reason, I've kind of grown to enjoy it there. And then um, it's aided and abetted by the fact that the staff there is all super friendly. Uh, and in particular, these two guys, not, I mean, everyone's friendly, but there's two guys that I've actually hung out with now who hang out there when they're not working. Um, and I've talked to quite a bit. And like um, one is a former uh, high school quarterback jock guy and is down to talk sports and, and Star Wars and stuff like that. The other guy is a kind of bookish dude that went to some uh, uh, liberal arts uh, college and is very well read and is into D&D and you can talk about all kinds of stuff with him. And they're just make, they're a wonderful duo, great guys. And now we've met like the one guy, the, the former high school uh, football quarterback, his girlfriend's been hanging out at the store. So we've met her and we've met friends of theirs. We've met other people, this, that, the third, always. Anyway, it's been a fun place to hang out. And they were having a holiday party on Wednesday. So we went to the holiday party on Wednesday, and it was literally the most festive, most social thing I've been to in years. Um, probably not the best from a COVID standpoint, because we were just like tons of people packed into this small store, all blowing smoke at each other. But again, vaccinated to the eyeballs, and I'm kind of at a point now with it where it's like, I've done absolutely everything I can do to protect myself and others with this thing, uh, barring like not living life. You know, I've done what I can do. So the the occasional wild and crazy night, I mean, maybe it'll catch up with me, but it has not yet, and it's not like I do it all the time. It was a holiday party, for God's sake. What do you want? So anyway, great time, and just the holiday music's playing, and just looked across this sort of Dickensian scene of all these people, because it was standing room only. People just lined up at a bar with their, their uh, cut-off mitten gloves, and everyone's kind of huddled up because it was cold outside that night, and just merriness emanating all throughout the room and chatting with folks and, and just warmth. The warmth feeling of the Yule hearth came over me that night. And it was a great time, a great way. And I felt, you know, for the first time in years, this is what the holidays is all about. This is the holiday spirit. The spirit of Christmas is here. I don't want to hear your war on Christmas. This is Christmas. No, this was, it didn't matter what holiday it was. It was just the, the feeling of human 
camaraderie, and a room full of people in good cheer, good spirits, being friendly to one another, um, having a good time, enjoying one another's presence. Um, Not something that I have had a lot of over the last few years. Not something that I'm always that comfortable with, but it just hit me right that evening. So that was holiday night number one, the beginning of the sensational holidays this year. I had a good time, staggered off into the cold, returned home, and then two days later, was it two days later? Wednesday to Thursday, Thursday to Friday? Yeah, two days later. So Friday night, um, there is a Japanese restaurant that I think I've mentioned on the show before in the small suburban town of Rohnert Park, which is a neighbor to Santa Rosa. Uh, total bedroom community. Uh, it's mostly just big tract houses, some strip malls. There's a Japanese restaurant, Hana Japanese restaurant. And the first time I ever went there, God, I think the restaurant's been around for 30 years. And I think the first time I went there was early on in its, its existence, maybe first year, second year. But, um, I went there with a young Ms. S. We were teenagers. We went there with her parents and I was very skeptical about this restaurant because as you know, as you may know, if you listen to the show, I come from an Asian background. I come from a Chinese American background, but when you come, when you're, when you're Asian American, you end up kind of having a pan Asian experience when it comes to food. Cause also we had like a Japanese woman married into the, the Chinese side of the family. And so, you know, you, you get these different Asian influences, um, I once had a uh, Caucasian woman get mad at me because she said I was being too general about um, Asian Americans having things um, in common in their Asian experience. But (laughs) all I can tell you, person on the street anecdotally, that um, when you grow up any kind of Asian, you end up exposed to a lot of different kinds of Asian food just because Asian people end up sort of flocking together. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you want from me. But anyway... Um, so I was, it's not like I was coming off the street cold. I wasn't, uh, not, I, I was familiar with Japanese food and I was familiar with the fact that it, it seemed very odd, very unlikely that in the 1990s, I guess it would have been in the very non-Asian town of Rohnert Park, there would be a, uh, Japanese restaurant worth Mr. Fuji's throwing salts. Um, but then I went in. And I was absolutely blown away. I, I had actually never experienced um, Japanese food to this quality and to this seemingly seeming level of authenticity. And of course, I've never been to Japan. What do I know what's authentic? But you know, there's, there's a difference between uh, traditionally well-crafted Japanese food and like supermarket sushi. Not that I don't eat supermarket sushi, but you know, it's, it's, it's a spectrum, you know? And this was high from what I've had experienced on the end of the spectrum t- towards the high end of things. So it's very odd, very strange, very random that it was in a strip mall in Rona Park. It, uh, come to find out that uh, Ken San, the owner of the restaurant, um, was, uh, if I remember the story correctly, he was the child of... Uh, Japanese uh, people that came to Sonoma County to work in the optical coating industry. That used to be a big thing in Japanese, I mean, in, in, uh, in Japanese, in uh, Sonoma County. And uh, that's what his parents did for a living. And um, he was here and he was going into that business. I think it was optical coating. He was either that or like engineering for HP because we had a lot of that. It was one of those industries that was big, you know, back in the day here. Um, and he was going to go into that, but then he ended up going back to Japan for a while and, and getting into the chefing scene and getting a lot of traditional training. So he went the chef route, but like Rotor Park was where, you know, I think he had lived when he was here in the States. So that's where he opened his first restaurant. And so you have this traditionally trained Japanese chef restaurateur who certainly knows what he's doing, operating this restaurant, the most unlikely place. And it's been around for 30 years. His son has now come on board as the executive chef after being sent off on a learning excursion in Japan. He's 
been brought back into the fold, and now he's the executive chef. And the restaurant's still going strong. It's been remodeled over the years. It's bigger than it used to be. Anyway, they have this amazing yearly holiday dinner that Ms. S and I have been going to for years. It's our We're not big present people, but it's, it's the present that we give each other for uh, the holidays. We go to this dinner together, and it's like a multi-course meal. Um, you know, it's the, I don't whatever the term for that there's a pre-fee or something like that. I, I, that's probably the wrong term. I think that's price fixed. I don't know. Whatever. It's, you pay a certain fee. You get a menu. It's a dinner that's been put together by Ken San. You don't choose what you're having. Um, you can get sake pairing with it, which we've only done once when we stayed at an adjacent hotel. Because otherwise, it's like a little too much alcohol to be getting back on the road and, and driving home. But uh, it's just every year diff- slightly different. Like he's done uh, one year. I remember he did a, a, a super traditional dinner with like no quote unquote Western ingredients. Like there was no butter and no, nothing like that. And it. it was all just pure Japanese. That was one end of the spectrum. He's done other, uh, years that veer way on the other end where it's like more kind of like, you know, uh, steaks and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, that's in Japanese food too, but you know, it, 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 it's whatever his vision is for that year. It's very different each year, different gimmicks, different things. It, it, it just, it's an amazing experience. I don't usually go to these like, you know, high-end fine dining things, but it's our one blowout for the year. We enjoy going there. Um, we've known, uh, it's getting kind of sad because we used to know all the staff there and now it's to the point where we know one waitress who's still there. And then the guy is kind of like the, the, the bar manager there. Um, this, this awesome guy named Danny, he came up and said, what's up to us during this year, but he told us he's leaving. And I always knew this would happen someday. Cause you're not really going to stay in the restaurant biz forever unless you're like the restaurateur or something or the chef, but like, you know, he needed a job with benefits. So he's moving into another industry. So that was kind of sad, but at least we got to, got to, Pay respects one last year, one last time. Um, but that was night two of our three-part holiday extravaganza. Amazing dinner at Haunted Japanese Restaurant. I shot out a picture to Engineer Nerd on Facebook because one of the courses um, uh, of uh, the meal. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, hang on. Doing really great. Uh Radio, as always, as I fumble to find this menu. I'm just, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you the menu. This was the menu for this year's holiday dinner. Um, so first course was kabocha suranagashi, which is traditional Japanese kabocha pumpkin soup topped with winter vegetable chips. Um, the second course was crab somen salad. This was probably the best course of the evening. It's cold somen noodles topped with caviar, sea urchin, crab meat, mullet roe, yuzu citrus, and white sesame oil. Third course, uh, sawari age is lightly fried Japanese Spanish mackerel served with Japanese hollandaise sauce. Fourth course, this is where Engineer Nerd, this one was for you, the Miyazaki A5 sukiyaki. And it was thinly sliced Miyazaki A5 steak with onions, shiitake mushroom. Oh, yeah, he doesn't like mushrooms too, right? So shiitake mushrooms, poached egg cooked in sukiyaki sauce, but I left out one ingredient. There was also a marinated slab of tofu. So I took a picture of that. I, I should have taken a picture of it when it was still all pretty and put together. I took a couple bites and I was like, dang, I got to send engineer nerd a picture of this. So I took a picture and sent it to him that you can in fact have tofu on the same plate as a thinly sliced a five steak. And it all melds together in a harmonious one. There's none of this California veganism here, my friend. Um, then uh, the main course was a omakase nigiri course, which is a chef's choice nigiri sushi. Nigiri sushi being where there's like a slice of fish on top of a little uh, bed of rice, if you know that type. Uh, so 
there were several courses of that, different kinds of fish. I won't get into that here. And then finally, the dessert. Emmy's dessert. Emmy being Ken-san's wife. She always makes the desserts. was Japanese-style sweet potato parfait with black sesame panna cotta. Absolutely amazing. See you next year. So that was night two of the holiday season. And that was the thing. Oh, last year there was no Hana Japanese holiday dinner. And so yet it, that was even another part that just sent my holiday tradition into a spiral. Got it back this year. Praise God. Um, so finally, it all leads up to what ended up being my family Christmas this year, which was getting together with my mom, my brother, his wife, my wife, my two kids, and their daughter, their six-year-old daughter, and their like one-year-old boy, the first boy in the family since my brother and myself. Uh, this guy's amazing. This guy's a wrecking ball. This guy, um, my brother recently sent me his 18-month like uh, well-child checkup physical stats, and he's in like the 90-something percentile for head size. <laughs> He's in the 80-something for weight. He's just this big bruiser. And a big blonde bruiser, which is funny because his sister's like um, uh, dark hair, dark skin, dark eyes. Her brother is blonde, blue-eyed, pale. And goes around, plays with cars and trucks exclusively, wields the cars and trucks while saying, vroom, 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 vroom. That's his main thing. Um, calls me Unky. He started, Unky, and then he tilts his head to the side and starts laughing. Pretty amazing stuff. So we hung out at my mom's house, had a great old time, um, tried to watch a holiday movie. We wanted to show my niece, my six-year-old niece, Home Alone for the first time, but she wasn't having it. So we watched some dopey Nutcracker gimmick on Disney+, and she lasted for about 20 minutes. And then, this is boring. I want to go home and play with my other toys. So that ended. Played a little charades, played some headbands, if you're familiar with that game. Um, and then it was time for my brother and I to go pick up the dinner that we were getting. And our dinner this year, we got takeout food from a restaurant called Sea Thai Bistro, which is a Thai restaurant in Santa Rosa in Montgomery Village, um, right near my mom's house. Um, and uh, I guess it was kind of apropos. Um, we ended up going there because we were going to get food from an Italian place, but they're closed on Sundays, and this was a Sunday. So we went to Sea Thai instead. And... Um, Apropos, because um, Thai food um, played a big part in my childhood, but actually by way of my dad, the non-Asian parent, my dad. My dad um, was in the Air Force during the Vietnam War, and he was stationed in Thailand. And he essentially had kind of the Robin Williams, Good Morning Vietnam type gig, except in Thailand. Uh, so... Out, out of any kind of combat theater. He had kind of a cushy Vietnam experience. Teaching English, being a DJ on a radio station. Um, and his big thing was him and his friend Rich, who he met in the Air Force, chose to live off base because they thought the base was boring. They wanted to experience, they wanted to be with the people. They wanted to experience what it was like to be in Thailand. Um, and part of that experience was eating Thai food, which was very new and exotic to them at the time. Because Thai food did not really have much of a foothold here in the States. And it continued to not have much of a foothold here in the States, even when my dad came back from Vietnam, had me, I was a little kid. He always spoke of Thai food in these reverential tones and would describe these different dishes. But there really was no such thing. You know, there weren't Thai restaurants anywhere. Um, and uh, 
I remember one time his friend Rich, who lived out in the East Coast, came to visit him out here. And Rich was uh, out here on the West Coast for work, and he was working out in the Bay Area. And then he would come up to Santa Rosa and visit us at night. Uh, I think he was here for like a week or something. He was staying at our house, then going to work during the day, and then coming back to Santa Rosa. But um, he discovered that there was a Thai restaurant called the Happy Cafe in Oakland, California, on Telegraph Avenue, big main thoroughfare in Oakland, California, that many years later I lived on Telegraph Avenue. Um, But the Happy Cafe was on Telegraph Avenue, and uh, he and my dad went together one night to it. And during the time that they were there, a guy having some sort of psychological issues, um, sitting at a table next to them, had a complete meltdown and knocked his whole table over and left in a huff. But not like he was a belligerent customer. He was just freaking the F out. Um, And my dad and Rich came home. Oh, we had the best meal. It was actual real Thai food, blah, blah, blah. And this guy knocked the table over. (laughs) And I was like, sounds like a place I'm never going to go. They're like, tomorrow we're all going to go there. So the next night we went to the Happy Cafe. And uh, as a child, um, I was born in San Francisco. And then we moved to a small hick town called Atascadero. And then we moved to a medium-sized town, Santa Rosa. And so whenever we would go back to the Bay Area, to San Francisco, to Oakland, stuff like that, I had been away long enough that I'd kind of lost my urban legs. I'd lost my city legs. And so I was easily spooked by things that once you have your urban legs beneath you are not a thing, um, which eventually I regained them um, from living in Oakland myself. Um, I've since lost them again. But I remember we're driving down Telegraph Avenue and there's the, the cliche proverbial like guys huddled around like an oil drum with a fire in it, you know, just right there on the sidewalk and all these creepy looking dudes staggering around and drunk guys passed out on the floor. And whenever my parents would take me to these places, similar, they used to take me, they loved going to North Beach in uh, San Francisco. North Beach, San Francisco being very different in the 70s and early 80s than it is today. But North Beach always resembled the uh, crime alley area as it was depicted in in uh, Batman comics, whenever the uh, death of uh, Batman's parents was, were, was being depicted and redepicted and redepicted, they would take me down these alleys. We'd park somewhere and we'd walk down an alley and it would look just like where the Wayne parents were killed. And I'd be like, in my mind, don't you people know this is where parents go to die? Why are you taking me here? But take me there, they did. And they never did die. But Telegraph was much like the same thing. It's like, my God, we're here in Crime Alley. What are we doing here? Um, went to the Happy Cafe. We sat down. The very first thing that happened as, after we were seated is a crazy guy came walking down the street, popped his head in, looked around, said, whoops, wrong place, and then slammed the door and left. And me and my brother like ducked under the table and thought we were going to be killed. But it was just a guy having an episode, which is very common on Telegraph Avenue. It just washes right over you. At a certain point, if you're familiar with the area, but familiar with the area, I was not. Anyway, proceeded to have my first Thai meal at the Happy Cafe and enjoyed it. And then uh, time meals were very sporadic after that. Maybe once in a blue moon. I think we were down in Southern California once on a family trip. We found a place. Then all of a sudden, one year, a funny thing happened, and Thai food just proliferated the states. There were Thai restaurants everywhere you looked. There were even, uh, Engineer Nerdle like this, there were California Thai restaurants serving healthy Thai food, which avoid those like the plague, please, I beg you. But um, anyway... It was all full circle having this this holiday family feast from Sea Thai Bistro, and it was quite the feast. I, I had 
lost a bit of weight leading up to the holidays, and I think I got it all back um, in that one night. Not to venerate weight loss, because weight is whatever. Just do you do you, and as long as you feel good, that's good. But I'm just saying, I, I, I had some goals, and I was there, and now I'm not there. But, uh, but hey, I just joined a gym. Did I mention that? Yeah, I did. So... That was my holidays, folks. It wasn't the most epic holiday. It wasn't the most... I had, I had this dream. Um, you know, uh, Icy Robots was talking about Home Alone 2 on his most recent episode of the World Famous Show. And um, like him, the Home Alone movies don't mean a lot to me because it came out once I was already a fully formed individual. So they weren't like an integral part of my holiday memories, holiday experience. But I, I've always been taken with the scene in the first Home Alone movie when the big extended family is getting ready to go on this big, fun family uh, trip together. And the family couldn't have been all that, really, if you think back about it, because they were so such horrible, uh, inattentive parents that they freaking left their kid at home. But uh, but still, there was something about that opening scene that just appealed to me. Like, I really wish I was part of this big group that was going out and doing something epic for the holidays. And that's probably never going to happen because I'm not part of some big group. Um, but this was a fun week nonetheless. And on that note, I'm going to bid you adieu. You know, I um, had originally thought I was going to keep... Um, broadcasting all through the holidays, but I heard on the world's famous show that dropped yesterday that you should check out right here on the network. Go search out IC Robots Radio on whatever your podcast platform is. Hit like, hit subscribe. You'll, you won't miss an episode of anything, of me, of IC Robots, of Geek Fest Rants, of any other specials that come down the pike. Um, but yeah, I heard that IC Robots is taking the next two weeks off. Um, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to take next week off. I will be back on... I will record my next episode on January 4th. So I'll probably be back um, either later on the 4th or on the 5th. But I am going to take next week off because I just feel like there's a lot going on. um, And yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder. In the meantime, it's me, it's me, it's Gino V. I hope you enjoyed listening, went a little long. But hey, it's the holiday season. I'm not going to be doing this next week. So I figured I'd lay it all out on the line. Um... Hope you have a happy holidays, uh, whatever it is you're doing out there. Um, talk to you all soon. Until then, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, signing off. Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight. Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight. Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight. Where is Rudolph? Where is Blitzen?